This is the Sand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 18, How Do I Discern Truth from Deception, Part 2. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're new around here, welcome for the first time. I'm your host, Lynette Shepard, and I'm so happy that you're here, and I hope that you will find something here today and in other episodes that will help you to stay more grounded in your faith. That is my goal, is to help you stand firm and solid and strong in your testimony of the gospel, despite the craziness that's happening in the world. Normally, at this point, I would read our review of the week, but I'm going to mix things up a little bit because I'm really excited about this testimonial that I just received for my Shine program, which is currently in beta. I'm just finishing finishing testing it with a group of women, and it will soon be available to the general public here in the next few weeks, and this will give you a tiny introduction into what that might look like, and we will talk about it more as we get closer. We, we got to get the kids back in school before we re- relaunch this baby, but this is a portion of a testimonial about that program that came from a Shine Challenge participant. Basically what the Shine Challenge is, is a challenge to help women implement spiritual habits in their life that will help them to gain more spiritual momentum. So this is from from a participant named Amy. She said, before taking the challenge, I felt extremely disconnected from Heavenly Father and like I was terrible at receiving personal revelation. After completing the challenge, I felt closer to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ than I ever had in my entire life. I finally started to recognize and follow the personal revelation the Lord was giving me. Isn't that beautiful? Oh my gosh, it like brought tears to my eyes. I am so happy that I could facilitate that. Obviously, none of this is as my doing at all. Her transformation has happened because she has put the effort into creating these spiritual habits. And because of that, she is feeling closer to the Lord than she ever has in her whole life. And she's actually also said that she experienced some of the hardest challenges and trials of her life in the middle of this challenge, the shine challenge. So even amid that, she was able to really develop that personal relationship with Heavenly Father Jesus Christ. And that is what I hope for all of the people who participate in this challenge. So I'm just putting that little bug in your ear. Again, we'll talk about it more as it gets a little closer. Um, Let's get these kids back in school first. Okay. So having said that, let's dive into the topic for the week. And if you listened last week, You know that we talked about how to discern truth from deception. And I split that topic into two weeks because it's summer and I didn't want it to be too long or overwhelming for anybody because I know that people are busy, especially in the month of July. So this is the second part of that discussion. And so if you have not yet listened to the first part, 
pause this episode, go back, listen to that first, because we're going to build upon what we learned last week. We dove into Moroni chapter 7 last week, which is really clear and tells us really clearly how to discern truth from evil, goodness from evil, truth from deception, all of that good stuff. It, it tells us we can know with a perfect knowledge. And so I went through, dove into some of those scriptures, looked at footnotes, broke them apart a little bit, tried to help you understand how clear this can be in life because I think it is getting harder to tell the difference between truth and deception because sometimes those deceptions are so confusing. They contain some elements of truth, and so it makes it feel like it's almost true, but not maybe all the way true. So does that make it true, or is it not true? And and how do you know who to listen to and who to follow? So Moroni makes it really clear. Again, go back and listen to that first episode if you haven't. Today, we're going to add to that by talking about the difference in the way that Satan works versus how the Lord works, because it's really under, it's really important to understand what we're up against and some of the tactics of the adversary so we can be on the lookout for those because we're seeing these everywhere today. We are going to dive into 2 Nephi chapter 28, which is where a lot of these tactics of the adversary are spelled out for us. I'm not going to read all the verses verbatim. So when we're done here, if you want to go dive in a little deeper, go back to 2 Nephi 28. But we're going to talk about some of the things that it lists there and how these things are showing up in our world today. So the first is eat, drink, and be merry. This is sometimes how Satan works. He tells people, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and all will be well with us. Nothing really matters. Eat, drink, and be merry. Another tactic that he uses is to stir people up to anger against that which is good. Are we seeing this in our world today? Only every time we open up social media, right? You will see people angry against that which is good. You will see believers being attacked for believing. You will see people who get up and try to speak truth and try to talk about the Lord's commandments or anything like that being torn apart online by people who are angry that they would even get up and say those things. So it's not hard to find this tactic of the adversary. It's everywhere. The next one says, others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Okay, I think this is very, it's like bone chilling. I think these are some of the most disconcerting verses in the scriptures because we get to dive in a little bit and understand a little bit, peel back the cloak a little bit and understand how the adversary works. And I don't want to be one who falls into these traps, which again is why it's so important that we understand what they are. But seeing people being lulled away into carnal security, all is well. Nothing is wrong. Zion prospereth all is well. Can we see that today? Uh, yeah. Okay. Everywhere. Again, everywhere. And 
what is so chilling about this for me is that it says, the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. How much do we need to be on our guard to, to protect ourselves from being led away carefully down to hell? It doesn't happen all at once. It's step by step. It's little by little. It's accepting this as truth when it's really not true. And then accepting this other thing as truth when it's really not true. And it's a progression carefully down to hell. Oh my goodness. This just makes me want to be on my guard all the time. Okay, the next one. Others he flattereth away and telleth them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears until he grasps them with his awful chains from whence there is no deliverance. How are we seeing this today? There is no hell. There is no right. There is no wrong. There is no absolute truth. There is no absolute morality. You do you. Everyone can do what they want. Everyone can determine their own truth. There is no hell. All of this is acceptable. This message is everywhere. Everywhere. So even just based on these things alone, eat, drink, and be merry, stirring people up to angry against that which is good, pacifying people, leading them away into carnal security, leading them carefully down to hell, flattering people, telling them there is no hell. These things are everywhere. And if we can recognize them as tactics of the adversary, we can immediately know that whatever those messages are, are not truth. They are not from the Lord. They are not going to lead us back into his safe embrace. So let's talk for a minute about how does God speak. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 8, we learn a little bit about how God speaks. In verse 2, it says, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart. Most of us are probably either wired to be thinkers or we're wired to be feelers, meaning that some of us naturally process our the world through our thoughts and others of us naturally process the world through our emotions. Stereotypically speaking, women are usually more feelers. Usually we process more with our emotions and men are generally more thinkers or process through their thoughts. There's obviously so much overlap between the two of those, but stereotypically, that's kind of how it works. We're, we're generally not naturally both to the same degree. We will lean one way or the other. And the Lord is telling us here in Doctrine and Covenants section 8 that he's actually going to use both. He's going to teach us how to access our thoughts and our feelings and be able to know that the two of them together is how he speaks to us. It's not just thoughts. It's not just feelings. It's both. Your mind and your heart have to be congruent. We have to learn to hear both of them so that sometimes if we feel like, well, I'm just stuck in my head and these thoughts are just ruminating in my head and I'm not sure if they're mine or, or if they're from the Lord or whatever. He's telling us here, I'm going to talk to you in your mind and your heart. 
One thing that I learned back when I was in school at BYU, I was trying to learn how does the Spirit speak to me? And I was actually trying to make a really important decision at that time, which was whether or not I was going to marry my husband. And I was very young. I was only 19 when I got engaged. And so I felt super mature back then, right? But I look back and I think, oh my gosh, I was like a baby. And so I was struggling to know, like, this is a really big decision. How do I know if I'm making the right one? And I was taking a Doctrine and Covenants class at the time. And I showed up into class and my teacher was talking about this section, section eight, and how the Lord speaks to us through our minds and our hearts. And one thing he said will always stick with me, I've come back to it again and again and again throughout my life, is that the Lord never uses doubt or fear to answer our prayers or speak to us. Never will he use doubt and fear. Those are tools of the adversary. And so if you are fearful of making a choice, or if you are just wallowing in doubt and not knowing which way to go, you can be 100% certain that those feelings and thoughts are not coming from the Spirit because He does not use doubt and fear to talk to us. How my teacher explained it was that a stupor of thought, which it talks about in the scriptures, that if it is wrong, you will have a stupor of thought. He explained that as the Spirit will confuse your logic. So maybe it won't make as much sense anymore. And then you just kind of stop and pause for a minute and think, well, is this really right? So again, God speaks through the mind and in the heart, learning to hear both and have them be congruent in what they're telling us will help us to hear that voice of the Spirit more clearly. Okay, let's talk for just a minute about staying in the light, which is another tool to help us discern truth from error. Not so long ago, actually, when I was just getting ready to launch this podcast and to dive into this world of helping women to strengthen their faith, I felt like I needed to have a greater understanding of what the opposition looked like, what specific things were out there that people were maybe getting tripped up on or that were confusing or leading some people astray. And so I dove into the world of opposition against the church on social media particularly. I sought out some accounts, influencers, who most of them were actually members of the church, but they were talking about the church not painting it in a very positive light. They were kind of teaching some of the church doctrine and also some of their own opinion kind of mixed in with the doctrine. And um, it wasn't totally 100% true, which we've talked about how to distinguish that. We talked a lot about that last week. But this is what I was trying to understand just by diving into it. And I felt after a while of just immersing myself in all of this contrary talk of the church, all this opposition, I felt so much darkness. I felt like the light in me was diminishing. And, but I still felt like, but I need to understand this because how can I help people if I don't understand what they're up against? So I was thinking about this one day while I was in the temple, I was sitting in the celestial room after a session, and I had a phrase pop into my mind. And the phrase was, come out from among them. 
And I was like, what is that from? Where does that come from? And so I searched it out in the scriptures and found that it came from some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. And I'm going to read just part of that because it relates to what I'm saying here. It says, Be ye not equally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It was then, after reading this, that I realized that I could not yoke myself with unbelievers. I love how it says, be not equally yoked together with unbelievers. Because if you're trying to be equally yoked with someone then that believes differently than you, then something is going to give, ultimately. And I didn't want that to be my faith that was going to give or falter. And so I felt like I needed to come out from among them and be separate. Not meaning I'm never going to talk to people who don't believe the way that I believe, or that I'm going to shun them, or that I'm going to, you know, just not associate with them. That's not what this verse, verse is teaching. It's teaching us that we don't need to equally yoke ourselves with people who believe contrary to what we believe. I love how it says, what communion hath light with darkness? One's going to give. And so I just kind of felt at that point that rather than immerse myself in the opposition, trying to understand what people were up against, that I needed to stay in the light and stay grounded in my faith and in my testimony and deepen my understanding of the truth and of the doctrine and teach from that understanding rather than just speaking to every voice of opposition and dispelling it. And so I believe, because I've experienced this, I've experienced that darkness that I felt by being immersed in it. And also, as soon as I decided I can't do that anymore because this is not good for my spiritual well-being, and I just started immersing myself in the truth and in the scriptures and in the words of prophets and in the gospel itself, then I felt that light returning. And I feel like that light is what gives us the power of discernment. And we need that light in our lives. And so I would tell you the same thing. If you want to really develop the ability to discern, stay in the light. Don't go seeking out all the opposition, all the contrary things that people are saying. They're out there. You're going to come across with them for sure. You're going to have conversations with people who believe differently than you, and that's okay. But if we're grounded in the light, we're going to have a much better likelihood of knowing where to turn when things seem confusing and maybe we are a little confused. President Nelson spoke to this in a general conference talk in October 2021. He said, the voices and pressures of the world are engaging and numerous, but too many voices are deceptive, seductive, and can pull us off the covenant path. To avoid the inevitable heartbreak that follows, I plead with you today to counter the lure of the world by making time for the Lord in your life each 
and every day. If most of the information you get comes from social or other media, your ability to hear the whisperings of the Spirit will be diminished. If you are not also seeking the Lord through daily prayer and gospel study, you leave yourself vulnerable to philosophies that may be intriguing but are not true. Even saints who are otherwise faithful can be derailed by the steady beat of Babylon's band. Close quote. All right, my friends. As we wrap up this session for today, I just want to remind you of the litmus test that we talked about last week and tie it all together with what we have learned today. So when you come across something that you are not sure about, that you're not sure whether this is true or whether it is not true or whether it is partially true or what to do with it, ask yourself these questions. Does this thing, person, idea, etc. invite me to do good and believe in and follow Christ? Does this thing, person, idea, message persuade me to distance myself from Christ and or his teachings, commandments, prophets, etc.? Look beyond the obvious when you are asking yourself those questions. Look for subtle messages that may be mingled with scripture, but go against Christ and or his teachings. And remember, it can't be of Christ and not of Christ. It has to be one or the other. So if any part of the message leads you away from Christ, his teachings, commandments, prophets, church, etc., you can know that that is not coming from Christ. Okay. If you're still unsure. Ask yourself, does this thing, person, idea, message, edify, or in other words, improve your faith and holiness? Does it improve your faith and holiness? And if not, then it's probably not coming from the Spirit. Again, it cannot be both. And if you're still unsure, ask God with faith and real intent being willing to act upon whatever answer that you get. We have to go in with the mindset that whatever I find out, I will act on that. That is called hearkening to the voice of the Spirit. And I can tell you that God will manifest the truth or untruth to your mind and your heart, because remember, it's both mind and heart, through the power of His Spirit. So as your shine challenge for this week, I invite you to take an inventory of all of the people that you follow on social media. Do any of them fill your feed with messages, whether subtle or blatant, that contradict Christ or his teachings? Again, use the litmus test that I've taught you as a guide and have the courage to make changes in who you follow if that feels necessary, so that you're filling your feed and thus your mind and thus your life with light, with hope, with truth, with messages that are going to edify and enrich rather than slowly, subtly pull you away. We have to be so careful, my friends. There are so many ways that Satan is just getting into our lives and social media, unfortunately, is a big one. There is a lot of good stuff there. So we got to find out the good, seek out the good stuff, find the good stuff, celebrate the good stuff. Let's start weeding out the things that may have the potential to lead us astray. I, for one, do not want to take that chance. 
So I invite you to join me and together let's stand. Thanks for being here. I will see you back here again next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.